Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. It's not the normal intro today. Joined on the phone, I have Gearman Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello. What's happening, Andy? Oh, not too much. I didn't know who you were talking to. Actually, I was. I do know because it's just us today. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have Ranger. He's over here. Vance is somewhere in the front, and Todd's MIA, as far as I know. Um, but that's not going to stop this show because we got, I think, a really cool little thing we're going to be doing. Uh, it's going to kind of be like the old podcast we did, The Art of the Deal. We're going to catch up on Steve and his fly fishing. As If anyone's been following Steve uh, in the podcast he's been doing with us, uh, he started picking up the fly rod, what do you say, about late last year? mid. Yeah, oh, late. it was late, probably uh, late October, early November. Okay, well, we're going to expand upon that and his travels with that fly rod. So you're, so the fly fishermen out there, they're going to get a little bit more than what our fly fishing tournament we had last week uh, talked about. So this podcast is brought to you by Fatty Z Muskie Products, fattyzmuskie.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I am still setting up many boats, and I'm doing my best juggling everything Um and I don't think I've messed anything up recently, so that's really good. Um, with that, the baits, I mean, I'm already seeing some want-to-buys on forums and stuff. Nice. Uh, yeah, just check out Team Rhino. Check out Musky Tackle online, and those are your best options there. Uh, rod holders, I'm running low on some stuff, but other stuff I have extreme amounts of inventory, which is great. Uh, just hit me up and we're going to figure some stuff out. So we're also brought to you by Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. And they are not many days left. I am not speaking uh, with any authority there because that is Todd and Vance's gig. And But I do know they are running out of days. They might even have run out of days since our last show. Uh, but hit them up. There are cancellations from time to time if you are going to be in the east, I guess you would say, but it's western New York where they're fishing out of Chautauqua Lake. They will be fishing out of Ranger Boats. Big thanks to Ranger uh, for sponsoring this show. And, uh, you know, you can go and look, touch, feel, purchase a Ranger at Vicks Marine Sports Center. They are in Kent, Ohio, and they have a beautiful showroom. In fact, a close friend of ours just picked up his Ranger today. Um, he thanked me. I'm, I'm going a little personal here and I really didn't do anything except slightly nudge him. And <laughs> I spent a lot of his money and I feel kind of bad about it, but he has a beautiful boat. He bought the same model that Todd has, except instead of just a regular four stroke one fifty, he has the pro XS, which looks really sharp. Yeah, And nice. it has, uh, uh, the color of that boat is very much like Vance's. So it's like a Todd Vance hybrid. Really cool. <laughs> um, but continuing on, St. Croix rods, best rods on earth. Um, Steve, I'm sure you've had a Croix or two, haven't you? Yeah. Well, like I said, the, the fly rod that I've talked about is on a, a Thorn Brothers blank, but I think that's made by St. Croix. And then my buddy, SH Fish and Sticks, he does St. Croix rods as well. So great rods, great blanks. They fish incredible. So I, I highly recommend them, of course, from a, a, a gear uh, nut like myself. So, yes, great quality, great everything. Very nice. Um, let's think. I'm 
I'm running on a half a person right now because Steve technically <laughs> isn't. <laughs> that shouldn't but have I'll to pick no up one. Here you go. I'll do a shout out. Let's do to it. Muskie's Inc. Perfect. I'm not going to do the yo-yo and all the stuff Todd does. I can't break into like gangster rap verse, but I will sing their praises. I am a member. Uh, you know, last year I wasn't a member. And then all the great things you guys talk about on the podcast, I went to the Muskie Max and signed up. So I love getting the magazines they send. I love access to the database. Uh, they're always sending out, uh, you know, notes to meetings and tournaments. And it's just a cool way to get involved a lot of great activities. And, and you can kind of gauge your involvement, which is cool, too. They don't force you and kick you out if you don't make every meeting. But if you want to go to every meeting, that's great. So there's, there's a myriad of levels that will suit your needs. Um, but it's definitely a good support for a great cause that helps the muskie fishery that we all love. So there's my shout out to Muskie Zing. I'm a, that's like significantly better than we've ever done what you just did (laughs) man i should pay you just to do like voiceover stuff so uh speaking of voiceover so my voice is a little hoarse i've been screaming at like second grade girls all night coaching basketball so i apologize oh okay yeah screaming at second grade girls okay well you know instructing let's put it that way by the end, it's screaming because they're not listening. <laughs> it's like so herding cats. Uh, yeah. I mean, I enjoy it. My girls love it. but uh, So I'm a little hoarse. So if you hear like drinking water and, and a little clear in the throat, I apologize. But it's from that. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to bust into a little parenting thing right now. So <laughs> how, how well do you expect second graders to shoot the basketball? Uh, they don't. Um, I cranked the hoops down to eight feet. And pray they make one because some of them can't even shoot it like six feet. So you got to hype them up and keep saying, nice try when they totally airballed it. And you know, they're probably not going to make a basket till fourth grade, but you got to stay positive and uh, keep me excited in the game. And then you just praise how great they can dribble, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, because like I was never one. Okay. I was good at gym. In high school, but I, I, I would never play the sport. I mean, I was. So, you can, wait, how do you define good at gym? <laughs> like when you're picked, like always one of the first to be oh, on okay. like. So like kickball and stuff. Well, I mean, we played basketball and hockey and all that crap yeah. like that. I, I was fairly athletic and I think I would have been a decent athlete. However, I had no interest in playing organized sports. But one thing growing up that I do remember was the frustration that you had to try to throw the basketball to get it up to the rim. Yeah. And and I don't know how anyone would want to really stick with that sport when you're trying to dribble a ball that's essentially twice the size of your head and then you can't even <laughs> you can't even launch. to me that's just just an exercise in frustration. Well, and these girls get frustrated. So like I said, there's just ways to encourage and motivate to keep them with it. You you try to play a lot of games that don't entail shooting because that'll alienate a lot of girls and then they get all angry and so yeah it's a whole thing but i've been coaching uh girls basketball i don't know quite a few years now so uh, i'm getting better okay. at how to, to manage i'm gonna say that you're a saint in the patience department <laughs> well okay. you know listen i got three little girls and a wife so Patience is inherent to that family. Otherwise, oh, we'll yeah. we'll talk a little bit about this a little bit later because <laughs> I got some stories to to share, and it's not to vent; it's it's to help anyone out there that 
you know, might be experiencing things. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say all this stuff now. Uh, let's get through the plugs. Uh, another, another shout out we're going to is Baker Bates. Uh, they've, they've been putting a lot of fish in Todd and Vance's boat and, you know, they're really hard to get, but they, you know, I think the, the, the proof's in the numbers there. So big thanks to Baker and Musky Max. You know, we are starting to creep up on it. I know it's still like six months away, but this is a quick six months to go by because let me yeah. explain to you. Once we start, once we get past Labor Day, this is how my calendar goes. Labor Day is like, okay, it's the beginning of the end, but it's the, the end is the best part. And the best part is things are cooling off. Mm-hmm. I think the fishing gets better. Hunting season starts. Then you got three slamming holidays in a row. You got Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Leading you right into show season. Yep. And then next thing you know, it's going to be middle March, and you're going to be wondering what the heck happened. And then I always look at as soon as we hit April and it starts to peak out the heat and you're starting to get a little bit of green in the grass, I just say it's going to suck because it's going to get hot. That's how my <laughs> year goes in like 60 seconds. And so I'm going to talk about heat. Is- <laughs> so your year is fall in the mm. early winter, a blur, which is the rest of winter, and then suck all the way through back to fall. Is that is that your calendar? Pretty much. I mean, I might even simplify it like good hunting and fishing, extremely busy, then suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of sucking, man. <laughs> it's... Yeah, and I, I and the thing that was sucks about the suck is I have a lot of sucky work to do outside. Jeez, <laughs> I mean, you got like a million acres, so that doesn't help. I wouldn't say a million. I just have a lot of grass to cut. <laughs> but man, so anyways, the musky max is going to be. It's it's like the final hurrah before the before it starts getting hot, and that is to me that's the show to go to. It's yeah. it's by far our favorite. It's in your backyard, mm-hmm. of course. And, I mean, you literally could, like, wake up late, eat breakfast, and still be first in line. Could easily. And I could even walk if I'm ambitious. It's a little bit of a walk, but yes. Yeah, but why so would I, you? I when love you, it. When you could roll in on style with the minivan. Well, exactly. You know, my lazy rear ain't walking. But, I, you know, just to make it sound like I have some level of physical fitness. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm driving. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to go out on the limb. I'm going to get a little walking in before the musky max, digging around those thorn bushes looking for antlers again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I see a big buck, you know, I'm sending pictures your way. That's right. We even started so. naming them. But aside from that, <laughs> um, the musky max. So if you're... Looking for those hard-to-find baits. That is one of the best shows to go to. Mm-hmm. It's typically more of a trolling demographic here um, of some really high-quality stuff, and it's just really good. And if you're a vendor, you might want to get on the train sooner than later. I don't even know if there's any spots open, but yeah. it's really important. Muskymax.com, musky with an I-E. Hop on Facebook, like them there. They're on Instagram. Search them out, follow them, like them, and stay up to date. Great shows. All right. With yeah. that, I miss anything. 
I think you nailed it. Okay. It was good, man. I liked it. Okay, good. So that was a, that was our first time trying to go through that. Um, <laughs> and uh, I didn't mess up too, too bad. All right. No, pretty smooth. Impressive. You're like a professional. It's like you've done these before. I talked a couple times. Yeah. Just a few. All right. <laughs> so what it, the last time you were on the show was, if memory serves me, it was right after the Muskie Max, and we did the recap. Oh, that's right. Okay. And oh, man. you were playing around last year with this crazy fly rod. Catch everyone up on this crazy fly rod you had built. Well, it's not crazy. It's incredible. I'm telling you. So, okay. again, as I mentioned, it's a one-piece fly rod. They, they classify it like a 15-weight. I don't know. It's a conventional blank, medium-heavy blank that's uh, 9-2, uh, just, you know, lined up like a fly rod, like a uh, extended handle, fighting butt. Thorn Brothers makes it. Luke Swanson's a designer. I love it. Okay. I could water haul all day. People, you know, last week, I loved your show last week. Matt was on, okay? He mm-hmm. talked about his area, which is the center of the state, and you were asking about trout, and I have, a, I have friends out there, some musky fish. I have big trout fish uh, fishermen out there. It's it's like the mecca for trout, like you said, but again, musky fishing is becoming big up there. So it's it's it was cool to hear him talk about it, and you guys talked a little bit about, you know, gear when the wind blows, and he was saying sometimes he picks up gear when that's a challenge. This fly rod, I'm telling you, in the one story I have, we went to, my buddy and I went to Chautauqua. This is one of the few trips I make. Do, do you want to get out of order or do you want to go as it flows? Well, that's kind of in order because I really didn't fish from <laughs> March all the way to that point in June. So okay. <laughs> that's it. But so the long, so, okay. So sorry, that's a little bit about the fly rod. I know I talked about it before. So it's kind of a unique fly rod. Um, and again, I'm not an expert fly fisherman. I, I kind of suck. Um, but I like the challenge and I love catching muskie on the fly. I mean, I absolutely like to me, that is the funnest way to catch them. So this whole year, uh, has just basically been a fly rod except for a few small cases. All right. And it's not that again, I'm against conventional. I just, when I get immersed in a technique, like I'm all in, I want to see what this fly rod can do with different flies all season. I, I I'm convinced fall late fall and winter i think your fly rod could probably produce more than conventional particularly when that water temps are like in the 30s have you been trying to quantify some of these findings based off i know you keep track of things but you're saying okay today sucked but how did anyone else do and try to shape something well here's what makes it a challenge for that now so i've done a little of that when people are out but a lot of what we do um, is me and my buddy Pat, and he's from Central PA, so another guy from that area, a big fly fisherman. We'll, when we fish, particularly when we went through the fall and winter, we'd switch. We'd do conventional, and one guy would be fly. All right, so we, we kind of do our direct comparison side by side. So the one guy in the front might be throwing conventionally back guy in the fly and vice versa so it's not a complete science i am not taking a a, a demographic sweep i don't have years of data this is just one idiot who gets to fish a few times a year with a good buddy trying to put some data together the the times he gets to go all right so with that so the few and we talked about this in march so i'm not going to rehash all that with the few trips in march or in the winter we made Gear like stunk. I mean, 
I'm throwing, you know, jerk baits, suspended jerk baits. Obviously, the Raptors are probably the main one I'm throwing. But, you know, we've done like slow rolling blades, different things, the big rubber, the small rubber, things that are like your traditional cold water techniques. And then a fly. And we, like, our production from the fly to conventional, when that water temp definitely was below 40 before freezing, it just crushed gear. It was ridiculous. Now, with that being said, we're, we're in more clear water fisheries, too. We're not, like, dingy water because the fly is not going to push water like rubber might. So with that, I think fly rod is great winter, late fall, and even early spring. We've done, you know, I didn't get much this spring. What my buddy did, and he crushed them in the spring. Okay, and he had fished both as well. Now, come summer. So here, here's my summer report with the fly rod. <laughs> I don't know if the fly rod's the greatest thing all the time in the summer. Uh, so, again, as I mentioned, it's kind of a tool in the kit or in the toolbox that, you know, could help. Um, but but I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, I guess. But So that brings me around the fly rod. So I could talk about my summer adventures if you want to. Okay, I'm going to hit you up on these fly rods a little bit more. Do okay, you cool. have a – I wanted you to get everything out before I start interrupting. Uh, no, 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 cool. Did you – like, did you think that it was going to start to struggle when the water got warmer? No, I, I honestly thought you you were going to ride that train all the way. Yeah, I thought, dude, I won't have to pick up conventional gear ever again. Did you want that? Uh, maybe because then I could start selling gear and just have one flower up. But <laughs> well, we know that's not going to happen. No, exactly. So I'll sell this one spool of line and I'll buy three more fly rods. Yeah. No. So, yeah. So I I, I was optimistic that maybe, you know, every musky fisherman, and and this is what keeps bait sellers in in business and keeps everything. Every musky fisherman always is looking for that magic bait or magic technique. And the truth is there isn't one. Do you you think that there is? I'm going to keep chasing it. Uh, I'm realistic to say there isn't. But that's not going to stop me from buying crap to think there is. Yeah. Okay. Now, granted, you know, there's some baits that work better than others or you have more consistency on. But that's also contingent on your fisheries because I have some baits that work killer on one lake but from some reason suck on another. I don't know why. So it's not even like an absolute on all fisheries. So. Do you think so there's yeah, a difference so in the in the clear water, stained water? <clears throat> oh, definitely. Uh for fly fishing, if we're talking fly fishing, yes. Now, you know, I've used the fly rod in cases where visibility was like three feet, still did okay, seeing fish and stuff. Uh, but, you know, if you get you get less than that, it's it, it just – I guess the fish can still see it, but my confidence isn't there. And obviously confidence is a big factor in how you fish it. But, man, I love those crystal clear lakes. It, it seems to do pretty good. Um, but, I, again, I have a new theory that um, – kind of happened this summer that i'm wondering too with it. uh so I, I don't i don't but you definitely get more action on clear water lakes with a fly i think okay so. and you know how do you think these fish are actually picking up on this presentation I, I'm almost all visual i mean there's really nothing that's gonna well yeah i think it's almost all visual and i got a weird story about that too but it's it, it's the visual presence, but the fly, again, I've never seen 
any conventional lures, hover, dive, do these things that the fly does. And again, I think that's why it's a killer in the winter because it's really sluggish, has that slow kind of dying rolling action that just triggers those strikes of an easy meal. Come summer, I just can't, you know, if I feel those fish are on speed, let's say, as a trigger, I just can't get that fly fast enough no matter what I do. And and the fly sucks in a figure eight. I know guys do good at it, but I'm just, you know, once you once you get that thing in a figure eight, it's not really doing much, you know? So I, I've never done great with flies in a figure eight. So, um, and, and a lot of times your summer fish will be like, figure eight fish at least from some of my experiences so so again it's just another uh thing i see go on um i'm gonna and bug the other you. goofy thing go ahead yeah then i'm gonna bug you no no no. go ahead wait, wait. i was gonna say because like on our, our discussion last week's show um the you got to build your own fly and I, yeah. I i i hated using the word snobbish but it, it was recepted well because I think if we all can't laugh at ourselves, then, um, but you know, I, you're not tying your own flies, but your friend is correct. Yeah. Like, I mean, I could tie like trout flies, but when you get to these intricate streamers, forget it. I don't have that skill. I'm not going to pretend to have the skill. So I check my ego at the door and my buddy hooks me up with some killer flies. Okay. Now, now with, with that being said, I actually, you know, he, he has this design, this fly that's so unbelievable. I actually like bend uh, that's the shanks for him. And then he ties the fly on it. So I have a little bit of the process, but I don't and assist assist. Yeah. <laughs> Very small. And okay. And now we, we also talked last week and I, I already know these answers. Are okay. you with the purest single hook, maybe with a trailer, possibly barbless pinch down or how are you getting these? No, I think single hook sucks. <laughs> I've always been, <laughs> listen, I've lost fish off that single hook. Mm-hmm. The hookup rate and catch rate with a treble hook is through the roof compared to a single hook. So I've, I've so my buddy, he, he, I, I slowly converted him. He said, dude, you, 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 I think he was losing like one of nine fish. I think that's what his stats were. Losing one fish of nine or catching one catching, fish? Catching one of nine. Okay. So he, he's when, somewhere like 11 and a half percent. 11 percent. Now, when he went to this new fly with the treble hooks and the new design, through uh, the winter, he went 15 for 15. Okay. He didn't lose a fish. So now to beat or match his loss rate, you know, he has to lose like 90-some fish or whatever it was. Okay. Now, what occurs, though, is come summer, he, he's losing more fish. And, and, again, this is kind of what I found on how fish hit the flies in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a different thing. But but still, the hookup rate is way better than a single hook. Now, are you thinking those fish are popping free because they just they're full of spunk and they're just hitting it and they're just flying around? And kind of what what I noticed. Okay, so when a fish takes the fly in the fall, early spring, through the winter, they act they they inhale that sucker. And like Matt said, yes, there's a problem they inhale because it's so light. And there's times that like flies like been like down in its gills and stuff. But, again, my retort is if you have proper equipment, you cut the hooks. It's no different than, in my opinion, I've had these fish inhale rubber baits just as deep. Okay? They love that on the swimmers. 
oh my goodness, dude, you know, I've had a swimmer almost come out as gills. I mean, you know, like he just sucked it in. And so, so that happens, but I go back to, um, you know, you get the proper equipment and you get like the boga to control their heads and you get the jaw spreaders we need and you cut the hooks quickly and you keep them in the water. I, they swim away fine. I mean, you know, and again, a lot of times you're not doing that. Sometimes, you know, you're just like any other getting the hook out. It's, 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 it's no different than what you're doing with conventional tackle and three treble hooks, you know? Right. So, but, so what's, what I've seen, so again, fall through the spring, they, yes, they've inhaled it. They seem to grab it and hold onto it longer and you get better hookups. Come summer, these fish are so light and fast that they're inhaling and spitting out before I'm even setting the hook. Do, do you or think, if I do, it's just a poor hook set. Do you almost think, like, so I've, I've done a lot of, I haven't recently, but I've done a lot of very cold weather fishing, cold water fishing, and those fish, they do hit it. I mean, they might still come up and swipe and bring it down like, like they would, you know, like a classic painting, but they, yeah. they, they are, they're, they're not in fifth gear. They're like in second or third gear doing it. And yeah. do you think that there's a possibility of just their body displacing water is enough to change the course in this, in summer to move the fly out of their grip range? No. Okay. I've seen this. So, okay. Again, limited data points, but the, the classic example is one morning, my buddy got up early and I got up extremely early, started fishing. Within 10 minutes, I had a fish. The fly was 10 feet away. I just stripped it, so I had a little bit of slack. He came up and hailed the fly. Whole thing disappeared and then spit it right back out before I could even physically react. My buddy said, one, you set the hook. I said, I tried. I'm not that fast. I'm getting old, you know. Two more times, same exact thing. Within 10 feet of the boat, I saw the full thing, inhaled it, and spit it out. I could not. Like when you're fishing gear – you usually have such a tight control on that so that they touch it, you instantly know. Fly rods, there's there's this slight level of disconnect. As much as you try to keep manage that slack, there's always a little bit more disconnect than there is with conventional, but there almost has to be. Because if you want that fly to dive or do what you want, it has to be someone on slack line. So I'm watching these fish crush the dang fly and spit it out, rejecting it, before I react. But in the fall, winter, spring, they don't seem to have, like you said, they're not in fifth gear. So it takes them a little bit longer to do the rejection process. And at that point I'm getting hooks. I mean, and we're talking maybe quarter to a half a second. Faster than that. And it's, it's, I feel like I react in a half second. I'm telling you lightning fast. I mean, I've seen these fish and that's not like the only time, the few times I've fished, I've seen that level of rejections up close. So I'm thinking, how many times has that happened in far away that I might not see? Because you just, if when they hit it that fast and spit it out, you're you're just not feeling it, you know. But again, yeah. conventional gear—that's for conventional gear. When they're in that mode and they're just lightning fast, I think conventional gear, it, it, again, is, is your tool. And some of that killer there is is the element of not knowing. How many times, if even on conventional gear, you've cast out in your work and your bait, let's just say up near the surface or whatever, and, and yeah. you, you think you felt something go bump in the night, and then you just see a boil behind it. Yeah. And you're just like, well, dang it, what right. was that? Well, and, and, and so 
you know, what I also think too is because the way this particular fly and a lot of flies are like this, those hooks are tucked into that fur. So what blows my mind is how could they take this fly in and reject it when these hooks are absolutely laser sharp? I mean, I'm, I'm anal with that. So I think it's because somewhat of the inline it's able to do it, but maybe with conventional because they're hanging down, there's a little bit of a kilter into it, and they, that's where you kind of feel the bumps or anything like that. Or during the rejection process, it might get caught because it's hanging below its jaw. So, Have you thought about maybe unspringing the hooks a bit? So if you think of a treble hook and how it comes down like an upside-down umbrella and it comes back up, you know, yeah. some of them might tip into the shank, but some most are like a parallel. If you yeah. tip that thing out 5 or 10 degrees, each hook point, do you think that'd be enough of a, you're, you're going to lose a little bit of holding power, Yeah. but you're going to have something to where if it's spinning it out, it might grab the lining of its mouth? You know what? Now that you say it, I might try it. It's an interesting concept because I'm telling you, it was even my buddy sitting there is like, "This is insane." I said, "I know." You know, and, and I just can't. I mean, I'm. I, those are the times you wish you had a GoPro. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I have because, a GoPro, and guess what? Every time I had it on, I got crap. Every time I have it off, <laughs> I got so, like genius. Like this would have been, I would have been able to retire off this YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> well. It wasn't that cold, but it was cold. Like I mean, it just <laughs> to see the fish inhale. I mean, I'm telling you, disappear and spit it out like a millisecond. I mean, it, it, but they're in high gear. It's like high octane. They knew instantly it wasn't a meal gone. So long story short, that's why I think summer hurts the fly um, because again, they're able to reject it so much. And if you do get a hook, it's not always great because you're probably catching them while they're rejecting it. Um. But winters when we, and falls when you have a little bit what I feel is a little bit deeper hooks that Matt was talking about where you kind of got to hurry up and cut and work on them. But the good news is it's cold water, so they don't seem to be as stressed. So, no, I'm not a, like, single hook guy. I really think that's kind of an uh, antiquated method to tie a fly if you're going for musky because of how they are. But like you said, the purist will run me out of the city if I say that. So <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think it's great how you're just you're just like, yeah, it's hard enough to catch them. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hamstring myself any further than I have to. Well, I mean, yeah. And again, I always thought fly rod was that challenge to hamstring myself, just for the fun of the challenge. But now again, I think it's the best technique in certain times. But I'm also not gonna like again continue to make it harder by just putting a single hook. I mean, I I was fishing once with a single hook. I had a forty plus incher clobber it at the boat. I set the hook. I felt like sometimes when you stick a hook into a rock and you can feel it skip, skip, skip. Yep. I felt it skip twice across this fish's tongue or whatever, and he opened his mouth and just came rolling out. <laughs> and I was so angry. Now, granted, what I found was the hook tip was a little bit rolled because I had a snag and I didn't check it. So that hurts. But I also think if I had another treble in there, okay, I might bend one hook, but I got two more that would have stuck that fish. So. Uh, that started my crusade that single hooks suck. <clears throat> I love it. And plus, when you have a single hook and it bends, now your fly is shot. With trebles, if you do them right, you can replace them and, you know, it's not as bad. So, that, so again, I'm not, a, I'm not a purist. I'm not any of that. I'm just a guy who likes to fish with a bunch of different gear. Yeah, you, you seem to be like me in that 
you know, the, I, I have, I'm going to speak for myself here, even though I just compared yourself to me. Um, I have to be careful on new activities because I tend to just immediately go just wade right in like, yeah. Oh, this was fun. Now let me Google the most expensive gear possible to do this. <laughs> it's, yeah. And, oh, and, and then just yeah. go just, just dive right in. And yeah. you did that with trolling a couple years ago. Yeah. And now you're, you're, you're doing the fly thing. Yeah. I mean, are you worried you're going to be running out of the thrills? Mm, no, I, you know, the, the goofy thing is as I'm getting older too, and because my fishing opportunities like are less and less, what is an old idea that I've felt I've exhausted becomes new again. So like if I, exa- if I exhaust the fly rod, because this is my big thing and I fly fishing all year and, and you know, but when I say all year, like I get like four trips a summer, you know, if that, mm-hmm. I mean, Todd and Vance do more in a week than I do probably in a year. Oh so my to gosh, me, they do more in a weekend than I do a year. Yeah, I mean, so so for me to exhaust something, it's a couple years, and, and then that point, there's always either something new, or I go back to something old to relearn because something came out. I don't know. So fortunately, the way the industry is, and because it's a market, they always come up with new junk, and I'll always be going to the next thing. So yeah, that never worries me. <laughs> okay, so let's let's break down your your summer fishing because I I, I like how prior to the show. We we started, so for, for those who may have not really followed all the whole Gear Man Steve thing, he he's similar to myself in that we we have lives that uh, are busy personally, and that mm-hmm. having the option to go hunting and fishing at will like we once had isn't there, and there's always seems to be these side deals that we're working to obtain this permission. And mm-hmm. there might be people out there that are sitting there saying, ha, I do what I want and what I want. Great. Yeah. There might be a day that you don't, <laughs> this might be very good to listen to because I am currently working a deal, um, right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to really force the issue. This one, this one might cost me a lot, but, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to go with it. But like all of these trips that like Steve and I, we're going to have a little, I don't know how much we're going to talk about it, but we mm-hmm. went out and we, we had a, you know, we had our fishing trip and there's a couple good points that we're going to talk about there, but there's yeah. always these little things that we can hook onto. And if you can exploit the little hooks, you can mm-hmm. then have a little couple extra days of fun if you're a busy, yeah. you know, family man. So after the Muskie Max, what was your, you, you did, what was okay. your well, trip? So here, here, uh, I had a few smallmouth trips in Lake Erie in the spring, but we're not going to talk about bass. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll pass those. Mm-hmm. But those were, again, like you said, negotiations, how to do them. So come June, I wanted to fish um, the Chautauqua Showdown at uh, Chapter 69 Hosts mm-hmm. because my intent was to bring a fly rod to the game. That was it. All right? That was the game so, plan was fly rod or bust. That's it. That's all. And that's when I went to that tournament, that's all I brought with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my, well, okay. So 
and so the negotiation of how to get to that is I tell my wife, there's money. I could win money, you know, so if there's a potential for money, it's a little easier. How much does but, she buy into that? Eh, I don't know, because I've been doing that dumb tournament. Well, not dumb, great tournament, but my performance has been dumb. Okay, you, you've been, been using that dumb excuse. Yes, <laughs> dumb excuse. It's not the dumb tournament. It's my excuse, and I've never won anything. But, but so, yeah, about six, seven years I've been doing that same line. However, I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm bringing something new. This is either going to be great or I'm going to just be miserable, but I need to pre-fish. So I bought another trip to Chautauqua. However, I get my buddy. He's a big fly fisherman. comes out. I meet him in Chautauqua. The winds are 20 to 30, crappy rain. There's only a few places we could fish without dying from just the uh, ways pounding against the south was shot because the visibility was crap. So, you know, so my buddy and I just stuck it out. Fly rod. We didn't bring conventional with us. But so this was back to what Matt was saying with the wind. With this rod, I'm making casts in that 20 mile an hour wind again because of the power it loads the line with, but I'm also water hauling. So my back cast isn't forever back and I'm shooting a ton of line. So, okay, explain that again. Just. <laughs> What's water? So hauling? conventional fly fishing, okay, the line carries uh, your fly, all right? And the way you do it, you false cast. You cast forward, let the line out, cast back, let the line out, cast forward, and you shoot lines. You kind of fall back and forth, false cast. Mm-hmm. What I do with this rod, because we've got big flies that are heavy, and I'm using, like, sinking lines. I, u- I use 500, 700 grain sinking lines. Is that like lead core? So, no, it's brave, but it, they, they coat it with different weights. And lead core might be next because, I, I, boy, I wish there was a 900. There might be. Maybe I'll find it. But uh, so, but what you do is you kind of you do your figure eight. You, you, you kind of flop the fly back. You let about 10, 15 feet of line grip onto your reel and then went or onto your line. And then when the, the fly just hits the water, you actually use the water resistance to put a ton of load into the rod. And then you just let the line go and it shoots the dang fly in the line forever so you don't have a huge back cast your efficiency is way better you're not false casting wearing yourself out so it's it's killer in the wind mm-hmm. so that day i only saw one other boat and it was vance trolling so um but we went two for five in, in what was horrible conditions and i thought that was a good two for five you know i would take it all day long what how many days before the tournament was this uh like two weeks because i went on vacation and then the tournament so okay. it wasn't even like very representative of, because the goofy thing where I fished, where we did a lot of our fishing, had great action. I went back the day of the tournament and all the weeds were dead. Now, so okay, so did you use? Be honest, did you use this pre-fishing excuse just as another fishing trip, or were you just like, we need to get a, we need to get on something, and this is the best time we can do it? No, it was, a, it was an excuse. I knew three weeks away or two weeks away it wasn't going to tell me much. But, okay. you know, it worked. It was a deal, and it, <laughs> okay. it got me on the water. All right. So take so, note of that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to bore you now. So it's come tournament day. My uncle's in the back. He's got his conventional gear. I got my fly rod. We go to our first spot. Wait till 7 o'clock. As soon as the 7 o'clock hits, first cast, a 40-incher comes, maybe like 42 inches, comes right on the fly. He's right behind it. And I'm thinking, holy cow, you know, I, but I, again, fly sucking for me in the eight, I kind of sweep him around a little interest. He goes away. But in my mind, 
like first cast. I'm I'm getting nice action. You, you're already holding the giant check up above your head I'm while in. the confetti. I said, this is gonna be a, a cakewalk. So we keep fishing and we hit another spot, weed edge. My uncle gets a follow of nothing. I get a follow of nothing. Next cast, I hook a fish, catch one, small thirties. All mm-hmm. right. As I got the fly in the water, preparing to pick it up, there's another fish sitting there looking at it. So I kind of like do my little scooting around. He has interest and he kind of loses interest. Two more casts, another follow. Like they're just all over this fly. All mm-hmm. right. And then kind of as we proceed on, not much more off the weed edge. And then like an hour later, a storm rolls through. We, we race for shelter, a little bit of lightning. Uh, you know, that lasted a half hour. Storm blows past from like 1030 till like, 3.15, nothing. Not a thing all day. Not unconventional, not on a fly. All right? <clears throat> Tournament ends at 3.30. I, I said to my uncle, we're going to hit that weed bed that we had a lot of action. Maybe they'll turn back on. I don't know. So we're going along this weed line. There's a boat in my way. And I said, well, I'm not going to stop fishing because we got like five minutes left. So I go way out in the deep water around this boat and I kind of fling my fly line back to almost like kind of uh, let line out to troll it out. Mm-hmm. I, I throw it back. I jerk it once. This massive fish. Now, I'm not going to call it a 50, but the largest fish I've ever seen behind a fly, easy upper 40s, mm-hmm. shows up behind the fly. I jerk it once. The fish runs up onto the fly and puts his eyeball, left eyeball, on the side of the fly. Like he's looking at it. <laughs> so at this point, I'm thinking, I'm not moving the fly because I'm going to eye hook this thing. Like, that's just not what I'm about because I got trebles on this thing, you know? But it's okay but, like, in the mouth. What's that? It's okay in the mouth. An inch yeah, away, it's okay. I'm not blinding them, but in the mouth, I'm okay. Okay. So, honestly, this is the weirdest thing because it was 327. And when I saw this fish come up and, and eyeball uh, my fly, my thought was, if this thing bites, how am I going to get him in in three minutes? Because that got to be in by 3.30, you know? So the fly kind of dives away. I do another jerk. He comes right back on it, puts his eyeball on it. And it, at this point, it's like it's like five feet from the boat. I'm getting a massive look at this fish. He's sticking his eye in my fly. And so I let it kind of dive down, and he backs off slightly, and I jerk it. And then, like, at this point, I'm out of room and into an eight, and he kind of slinks away, and that was it. What would the ethics so, be? Okay, because this took so long. What would the ethics be if you had, let's just say, the wherewithal to say this fish is going to toy with this like this? I suck at the boat side. But technically, (laughs) technically, I've said this before, the person running the net actually catches the fish. The guy with the rod that is just slowing him down. Mm -hmm. What would have happened? And I don't know. If you would have been like, hey, uncle, get that net ready, and you get that fish to play this cat and mouse, I'm looking at you, you looking at me, and you get him five feet from the boat, two feet from the boat, and you just net him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm serious. I mean, okay. like, so the, the whole point, I mean, let's, let's break down the definitions on this. You catch a fish, and it's on the <laughs> line, and you bring it close enough for a guy with a net to scoop it. Yeah. <laughs> where, where in the rule book does it say it actually had to be hooked? 
Now, I'm not telling you to go out there with a trawler and gill nets, but you you did everything with it except putting steel through his mouth. That would have been the well, most ethical catch ever. No, wait a minute, though. So I don't know about New York. Uh, I don't really know about PA, actually. But like states like California, obviously, if you net a fish that has does not have a hook in the mouth, it's very specific. Inside a mouth is a legal catch. Anywhere else on the fish is illegal. Netting a fish without that hook inside the mouth, illegal. Uh, and I guarantee, I don't get no, I should know the regs, but I, I don't like that. But I guaranteed, if that, if that scooped it up, it's illegal. Uh, and okay, maybe there's some unscrupulous people that would like claim the fish, but I, I man, I'm not, I, I can't. But, do I mean, that. But Same can, reason can, I didn't you... like hook the thing in the eyeball. I just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm leaning this as a gray area, but I'm leaning this more towards a legal catch. And and I'm I'm not saying it is, but I'm just trying to break down this thing. I, I the 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 like the spirit of that law is so you're not just dragging a net behind your boat. This you actually <laughs> hypnotize this muskie to the point to where it was vulnerable to this netting. It's not like you know, there's not a lot of guys out there with with big fray bills, you know, just just waiting to in in thirty feet of water. When one comes up, I'm scooping it. It it was it was completely going with your bait. It was one on one with it. It was doing Man. the dance. Yeah, the, uh, like the weird thing, and it's an interesting way of how your mind works. That like never crossed my mind because I think about that fish often because it was just an uh, it was massive. I'm telling you, this thing was big. What I, you know, and I don't know why he was doing that with it, but in all my daydreams since that day, none of them ever occurred to me to say, "Hey, Uncle, net this thing." <laughs> because you, because the, the way the story was, you had enough time to watch it. Oh and, yeah, dude, this thing went from like ten. I say my first sighting's fifteen, all the way into two. I mean, I could have probably jumped in and probably jumped on his back. I had to probably swam quicker than I. But it was that close that, in theory. If it was hypnotized and didn't move, my uncle could have netted it. Um, I mean, if he would have went head first, if you would have just done the timing, one, two, three, and you jam that thing, you, you just go like like you're going to spear it, but you just shoot that hoop straight down in front of him, <laughs> and, and you get a little bit of back, that fish I don't think can turn that quick. Could have gone in the net. Yep. It, it, it's like those semis where it makes a wide right turn. It's it, it it's screwed because you blocked its exit. <laughs> And yeah, there's, well, there's, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it, it was never even in my thought process. And if for some reason, let's say that deviant thought came, uh, there's no way out of kind of that fish. I mean, geez. Okay. But like, I, I guess what's the difference of, I'm, I'm sure everyone here has seen those videos where someone's and, and I'm not picking on this style of bait, but it seems to happen a lot with double tens and big rubber on oh, big yeah. water where they're hooking a fish like on a figure eight are literally at the boat side and yeah. that fish is in the net within seconds. Like, right. like, like a person that may be paid or unpaid, you know, depending on how good of you are. When, when you set that hook, you might not even actually have a hook in the fish. It might literally just be friction and hasn't had a chance to open its mouth Two thrashes and it's in the net and it's high fives. Uh, yeah, but that man, I'm not like discounting said, the that. Is, of the fish there to eat or hook is, is there. This fish this fish was more into like eyeball screwing my fly than it was like biting. I don't know why. I've never seen a fish do that. I've seen fish 
on jerk baits, come up to it with the side, like feeling the, the, the lure on its lateral line. I've seen that happen, but I've never seen a fish come up to it with his eyeball twice. So yeah. So again, th- there's intent of looking at the fly, but there wasn't intent on eating. So those fish that bite and you hook and you net in one second, you know, that, that there's intent. I'm okay with it. You get, and you're not getting a good fight out of it, but we're, we're going to, we're going to roll back a little bit in saying that the intention of fishing back when humans were not industrialized and, and as civilized as we are now was to sustain life. And if oh, yeah. it, that would have been a slam dunk, I mean, because if someone, Dude. they would have been yeah. like, hey, yeah, that's fair game because that fish didn't have the wherewithal to get out of the way to continue its own gene line. Oh, well, and back <laughs> in the day, that a spirit have shot it because they had that with them. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so I'm I'm, I'm going to get off that, like, weird split in the <laughs> hair kind of thing because I think there's a convincing case either way. No way, dude. <laughs> I just I just told you like the, you you literally in, incapacitated that, that fish says, to the point. <laughs> well, no, but I I don't think it's going to need to have a rule because I don't know anyone that's had, you know, these these like eye-to-eye meetings with these big giant fish. But one could make the case that you made this fish incapacitated to a point to where you were able to scoop it with a net. It wasn't you traveling the shallows and just scooping fish that you see, <laughs> it it was a, a a rod, a reel, a line, and a bait that got this fish to a point that it was vulnerable. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. So, so the, the argument becomes: okay, so is it better if we're going to like talk illegal? If it's better to have that fish kind of hypnotized because it looked like it was it was a weird thing. I'm telling you, man, it was it was goofy to. Like I could have probably saddled and rode this whole fish because just how long he hovered and stayed and kind of uh, looked at the. I mean, you got a great look at him. It was, again, a GoPro. If I had a GoPro, it would have been awesome. But so okay, so your choice is illegally scoop it or snag it through the eyeball and then scoop it. You know, so both of them are highly illegal. Uh, but man, scoop it because it has a better story. <laughs> well, and it's less less uh, gruesome, I guess. Yeah, it, but either one, like I said, he, neither one came across my mind when that thing came. Like I said, he put his eye on it. I I didn't even start, I didn't want to strip or anything because I was so afraid to, to impaling him in the eye. I've just never like, man. Have you ever seen that? I mean, not I, I've seen them with like what you said with jerk baits. They kind of just go up next to it, and I don't know if they're like trying to feel whatever. Like, and I, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Like if they're picking up electrical fields, if they're picking up, yeah. you know, like a heartbeat, you know, which, which might be a vibration or it, could, it can also go to the electric, the side yeah. to see like, okay, this, this, this has me almost tricked. Let me, let me check for a pulse. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. And again, I, I just assumed it was like you said, trying to pick something up on the lateral line and they side saddle it. Mm-hmm. I've seen that, yeah. Like and again with jerk baits, but I've never seen an eyeball like this. Right now, crazy. I'm, you know, I, I'm gonna. We've talked about this in the past, but you know, like the the whole snagging thing. I I have been in the boat with Todd, and I've had this happen. Maybe not in the same sense that Todd has. I remember Todd early on. Uh, this might have been the first year we made the Raptor. The Raptor hits hits the water. He takes a couple jerks. He hooks the fish. And then, like, the fish takes off, and, like, it jumps or something, throws the hooks, 
and hooks itself in the back. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, and, 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 and I'm going to parallel this with another story. I've had it to where the fish comes up, does that classic, I'm opening my mouth, I'm coming, and it does that turn. And in midway through its turn, it, it hooks itself in the back. And then you're going to have the best fight you've ever had. And more than likely, you're going to lose that fish. But it gets to a weird point to where someone says, well, you snagged that fish. Like in Todd's case, it wasn't snagged initially. The fish got snagged yeah. from its own self. Right. In your opinion, where does that fall on well, okay, is it a legal so catch or not? I say both are legal. Now, again, it, like states of California, because it's not in the mouth, it's not. They're very clear with that. But, you know, so both cases, there was an f- intent by the fish, and the snagging was not caused by immediate action of the fisherman. Now, the, the coming out of the mouth and, and hitting the fish, you're fighting them, you have tension, that's some action, but it, it, it's not a, a concentrated effort to do it. And when you got the lure there and he turns and snags himself again, it, unless you jerk into him, then you're snagging. Uh, but if he does it without that action, you know, you're, you're kind of an innocent bystander to a drive-by. You know, it just but, – <laughs> but in my case, like I – it happened so slow motion that I had the ability to process thought like, crap, I, I, I don't want to snag this thing in the eye. If I catch it – you know, I have a whole thing going on, and when I jerked it again, he went up and eyed it again. So I had two opportunities to snag this fish in the face – and it happened so slow, but it just, at that point, you know the difference between right and wrong. Now, if he would have went and eyeballed it and then didn't like it and made a hard left and hooked himself in the eye without me moving the fly, what are you going to do? I mean, I, you know, but. What happens it, if, okay, this is going to take you like man level up one. If you had him next to the boat and you just like, I don't think this fish is going to eat, but you slowly lower your hand and you gill him and pick him up. <laughs> Dude. That counts. If you're man enough and can do that, <laughs> to, I'm counting to, that catch. To catch a free-range muskie. This thing was massive, dude. It, like, that would have been awesome. I'm, ke- I'm keeping that. That, that, would, that one's you're coming home. Enough, <laughs> try to do that. I'm giving you credit. <laughs> That's a catch. Take a picture with it. You deserve it. Okay. So that yeah. fish didn't eat. The buzzer went off. and Buzzer went off. That's it. So I registered one fish. But it's so, a fly rod like, fish. Yeah. Was well, it the, the only fly rod went, fish in the tournament? Huh? Was it the only fly rod catch? Oh, yeah, by far. When I registered that fish, you know, I kind of made a joke with the guy. Uh, my points, I said, well, hey, is there any bonus points for catching on the fly rod? He goes, you caught this on a fly rod. And I said, yeah. He goes, I'm going to give you 20 points. Now, I'm not in no trail. That didn't place me anywhere. I'm sure he was joking, but okay. <laughs> you know. Well, that's so, cool. Yeah, it was, but to him, it was like, what? Like, he kind of thought it was odd for even entering a tournament like that with a fly rod. Yeah, it would but, almost be neat to have, like, a handicap almost on this know. stuff. Like, so if, if you're, and, and I don't I don't want to hierarchy this stuff, but, like, if you're using a more difficult tactic, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, great. So you, you're, your handicap on whatever, golf or bowling or whatever it is, you're, you're yeah. just, hey, you did significantly better than your average you won and if if someone and i don't want to say that fly fishing is any less or any it's 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 an idea that i literally had that i did not think through but like hey by the way so it's 
it's 30 points for a 30 incher and one point for every quarter inch. However, if it's a fly rod catch, it's 30 points for a 30 incher and two points for every quarter inch. Yeah. Well, but so, and that'd be neat. That'd be interesting. But again, I I don't, I don't see fly fishing as like a a deficiency or, or a harder technique. Again, there's just, it's a tool. Now, if you force fly fishing, like I was trying this day, uh, maybe, but, but so think of this, this is what I did the math on this. If I'd have caught that fish in his low 40s, let's say he went 42 to 43 range. Okay. The first fish of the day. First fish. I caught my low 30s and then I caught this, let's say 49 inch. Okay. I'm, again, mm-hmm. I'm not going to dare call him 50, but he was big. I think I would have placed third or second. I forget what the math did, but I'm there now. And so I was, every fisherman has that story of, oh, if I caught that. So I was in, at least was satisfactory to me that I was in that what if scenario versus I didn't see nothing all day. Two twitches away. Two twitches. All I needed was both those fish just to open their mouths and the luck of getting them in and I'm placing. So again, I'm proud. I thought, okay, I mean, I'm not going to get credit from anybody because I did a fly run that, but the action in my, my opinion was there. So you have footprints on your back from carrying your uncle all day. He contributed no, he nothing. He, he had two follows. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. All right. So, uh, okay, so you got two trips done for muskies. Yeah. And then where yeah. where does that lead your summer? We're 4th of July week where you and I go walleye fishing. Okay. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little about this. So um, we were able to go out. We got to, you know, this would have been like the second time I ran my boat like for fishing yeah, uh-huh. and uh, we had a lot of fun and stuff like that. But like one of the big things that we were able to do to pull off this trip was your family mm-hmm. loves to eat that fresh fish. Loves. I mean, it's gone that night. Gone that night. It does, That poor fish from death to consumption is probably eight hours, 10 hours maybe. The, 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 so a benefit is, is if you can somehow work the deal to where they're getting something that they would like mm-hmm. out of your trips, that is a giant bonus. Now we initially tried to plan two of these fishing trips, but yeah. something happened that you had to go West. Yes. Who exactly well, did you see? Okay. So. <laughs> okay, so we're, since we're working on the theme of deals to fish, all right? Mm-hmm. So, again, the walleye trip happened because it was an easy sell. I'm bringing food. Have at it. We'll wake the girls up. Well, don't worry about it. We're good to go. Okay? I'm going to add to this. The, 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 the worst part about this walleye trip is it's a race for us to catch these fish as fast as possible. Yeah. So it's like, all right, we get to go fishing. It's our one time a year to go. Let's get yeah. it done as quick as possible. <laughs> yeah, we're on the water by 4 a.m. I think we went, caught our limit, got off the water. I think you had the fish clean. And when I got back to the house, the girls were just waking up. That's how early we did this. So it, It's kind of neat to race them like that. But in, on the flip side, you're like, man, we could have fished for a little bit longer. Maybe, yeah, maybe let's, let's run like <laughs> two or three rods instead of six. Yeah, but, right. I mean, we, were, we had triples that day. We were killing it. We were. But it's also easy fishing. So anyways, th- yeah. continue. All right. So we're continuing with the negotiations. So my wife and I, we, we had our anniversary this year, and we didn't. We, we usually try to do something nice, dinner or something. But uh, this year, 
you know, I want to do something special, but I don't know what it was with the kids and everything. Well, she loves Jennifer Lopez. Do okay? you? No. Okay. But, uh, but, <laughs> okay. So, so I knew Jennifer Lopez had this concert. My wife mentioned it. So I looked for dates that were close to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So my options were Philadelphia five hours or Detroit five hours. Brotherly so, love, right? Oh, what's that? You're going to go to the city of brotherly love. You better believe. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> so I looked and I thought, wait a minute. The J-Lo concert in Detroit's Friday. I text my guide buddy on St. Clair and said, what are you doing Saturday? <laughs> he goes, I'm open. What do you think? And I said, book me. I'm coming. So, And this was the week of the 4th. Yes, it was the 5th was the, the concert. Okay. So I talked my parents into watching the girls. My wife and I were going to go stay overnight. Uh, so she was so excited. I got great tickets. I mean, she was so excited. We're going to see J-Lo. And I said, hey, you know, it's a long drive back. We're going to stay overnight. And do you mind if we fish a little? I got a buddy up there. I, you know, I don't get to see him off. Do you mind if we fish a little with him? Does she know he's a like a guide? Or did, <laughs> yeah, you, or did you sell it like he's a buddy? And by the way, hey, look, an eagle. And then you throw him some cash. No, no, he's no, she, he's a guy slash buddy. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think I'm, 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 I'm so close to buddy enough with him. I text him out, but I'm gonna, I'm, I seriously pay him for his services. I'm gonna, but he gives me a discount. You know, what I mean that kind of deal. Okay. So, so she knows, but what I didn't tell her was like we're gonna fish for eight hours. So we go drive to Detroit, go see J Lo. Um, yeah. Okay. So. And I gotta admit, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad concert. <laughs> what, dude? Like, I don't know if J Lo's going through a midlife crisis, but I've never seen so many G strings in my life. Like her, <laughs> her main thing was to show off her rear end. Okay. And made sure everybody, other dancers, did it. So you know, it wasn't horrible. Okay. <laughs> okay, but you know, so my wife loved it. We get to bed late. Kind of get up early the next day. Now, in the meantime, I bought my wife a musky spinning rod and reel. Just and I got her like a double six. I figured she can cast this. All right. Another trick is you can squeeze out another couple trips. It might be a couple over a few years if you buy them their own gear, and mm-hmm. they're like, "Well, I'm going to use my stuff." It's it's like a a new toy. Yep. Okay. It's so hers. Go ahead. It's all hers. <laughs> But you got so to buy stuff. <laughs> yes. So, again, J-Lo, like part of the negotiation. And I got harassed by my buddies forever, but I don't care because I got to go fishing the next day. But St. Clair hates me. Okay, I'm convinced. So my buddy said, hey, we'd be doing pretty good out here. Uh, you know, so I said to my wife, get out to the spot. I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to show you what you need to do at the end of the cast or if a fish is following so I engage the spinning reel. I pitch it out 15 feet. I start cranking it in, and there's a damn fish right on the lure. I'm talking nose in this thing. First cast. First, not even a real cast. So I said, oh, oh dear. So I did the L turn. I came in it. I swept the perfect rate. I hung it high, and the thing clobbered the double six. Mm-hmm. I rear back to set the hook. I didn't set the drag. Oh, here's Oh, boy. He spits the bucktail out. I said, all right. So I cranked it back down. I said, all right, dear, let me just show you again, since I didn't get to explain it, but do you see how that fish came in? I went into an L turn and then an eight. That's what you got to do. So I pitched it out 10 feet, cranked it. And I said, look, L turn, 
I said, you go into an eight. I hit that first uh, loop and that fish came back and clobbered it. This time I had the drag in, set the hook, caught the fish. Now, did you hand the rod off or did you selfishly keep it? Selfishly kept it. Cause she was in the back of the boat and I was in front of the windshield. So there really wasn't a handoff time. And it was one of those kind of like quick net jobs because the, the guide had the net in his hand because he saw the fish the first time. Okay. So when I did it the second time, I set the hook, kind of did two or three head shakes, swept around the front, he netted it. So it was one of those like two second things. So, so you're on the board. So I'm on the board. And that's the first time I ever caught a muskie on a spinning rod. So I got a spinning rod, fly rod, casting rod. Trolling rod. I guess I just need an ice rod, and I, I got the, you know, superfecta, whatever the heck it is. Yeah, you'll have the, the North American Grand Slam of rods. <laughs> yeah. But I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a killer day. I mean, come on. For, for not even a real cast. We got like a, you know, upper 30s fish, almost 40. That's cool. That's good. We got a great picture out of it. So I hand her the rod. She's casting. I start my fly casting. Eight hours. I don't see another fish. I switch from gear just because, just to see if Hayes is the fly rod. I fished her rod again. I fished back to the fly rod. The guide fished. Nothing. Except for one moment when my wife, midway through the day, got a fish following on the double sixes. I said, all right, dear, you know what to do, right? Remember, figure eight. She stops the rod. And then sweeps it back, hits the fish in the face with the rod, and starts chasing it with the lure. I said, what was that? She said, well, his mouth was there. The lure was here. I wanted to put the lure in his mouth. I said, no. Like, the concept is to try to take it away from his mouth so he eats it. You don't hit him in the face with the rod. She goes, I don't know. And then she got mad and put the rod down and said. And picked up a book. Yeah, so <laughs> so I should have been a little more patient, but it's like, what? Okay. There's what really not gone. to do. So anyone out there trying to earn time with their significant other, yeah, criticizing them and pointing blame, you know, the assignment of blame is never something that's welcome. Don't do it. You, you give your wife a participation award and say, great effort, dear. You don't tell her, why'd you hit the fish in the face? You don't say that. Yeah, you, you got to pretend you're coaching second grader basketball. Yeah. <laughs> And constantly give praise. Yes. Yes. I didn't, yeah, I didn't bring that lesson to me because, you know, it was like after five hours of nothing. So I was excited to have her see a fish. But that's crappy St. Clair for me. So that was it. So I, I sat through a JLo concert, but again, wasn't too miserable uh, to get my time on St. Clair with a fly rod. Was it worth the concert to catch a spinning rod fish? Yes, because we got a great picture. So it's a cool picture of my wife and I holding this fish. Again, I caught a spinning rod. It's a cool story. So, yeah, it was worth it. I got to see my buddy. So, I, it's cool. I'm okay. Okay. So, uh, I think that's it. <laughs> that's it since. for your fishing is ended <laughs> in July. It. Ended. I haven't fished since for nothing. No bass, no trout, no nothing. Okay. Well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a little here. So, I just got back from a hunting trip. And nice. I, I had this, you know, I... I book these trips like a year out, and it's pretty much going to happen every single year. Now, the place that I went to the, the, the previous three years, I went on a rifle hunt uh, in the state of Kentucky. This year, mm-hmm. with the way the calendar falls, there's always like a year every four to six years. I don't pay that much attention to where the seasons seem to open up a week later. Uh, mm-hmm. Like last year, 
archery opened up like September 30th in Pennsylvania. This year it's opening up October 5th. So it, it, it shifts like they, they, from my understanding, they're shooting for somewhere around the first Saturday in October. As long as it's not like the sixth, then they'll move it to like September in my unit. So because it's starting what I'm calling a week late, they added an extra week. It's going a week deeper into November, which when I'm trying to line up this trip, yeah, um, my rifle hunt would start typically the last day of Pennsylvania archery season. Mm. So that means I would miss the Friday of archery because I'd mm. be driving to Kentucky and then I'd be yeah. hunting the last day of Pennsylvania archery. And then I get actually like kind of like bonus time beyond the Pennsylvania season. Yeah. Um, so, but based off of, you know, how they're doing it this year, when Kentucky's rifles opening, I still have one whole week of Pennsylvania archery. So oh. now I'm, I'm actually costing myself a lot of time hunting in Pennsylvania. And while you can compare the deer between Kentucky and Pennsylvania and Kentucky's always going to win, at least where I'm hunting, Mm-hmm. The amount of effort that I have prior to the season in Pennsylvania, I would rather shoot a non-shooter buck Kentucky standards in Pennsylvania based off of my labor than to go yeah. shoot a Boone and Crockett in Kentucky. That's where I'm at right now. So seeing this, I said, wait a minute, I'm going to go on this early season Kentucky velvet hunt. So typically a lot of the deer... um have velvet on their antlers still. Mm-hmm. And I didn't completely when when I I told my wife about this when I knew that this was something I kind of wanted to do, but it wasn't like several months earlier when I told her I'm going back again. And so now it's like I'm like this is a bonus. I'm going to hunt early September. Then I'm going to have, you know, a handful of weeks off, two, three weeks off before Pennsylvania opens up. And, you know, if I get lucky, I'm going to just like coast right through archery. And if I need to, I'll have a couple of weeks off and I'll go into PA rifle and everything's going to be great. And that was my whole point was I'll get a little bit of hunting in before I can start doing it in Pennsylvania. So mm-hmm. I go down there and you can't prepare for the heat. Oh, wow. You just, I mean, there's nothing you can do to prepare for heat. And where I've, where I live the last two or three weeks, with the exception of just a few days ago, hadn't cracked 80 in like three weeks. It was perfect. It was perfect. I mean, we had some days like mid sixties as a high, a lot of nice nice cloud, you know, a nice wind. It made awful lake fishing because of just the wind, but it was beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I shot my bow a lot. I got ready, you know, whatever. I'm getting amped up. And, you know, I get down there. And it was like a little cold front for them. In that, you know, cold fronts, you know, that that tends to put deer, tends to, on their feet a little bit more in daylight. And so I was looking, things were looking very favorable Saturday. Uh, was that the 6th or something? September 6th. Um, to... I'm like, man, I think based off of weather, my days to do it are going to be Saturday, Sunday, 
maybe Monday. It's starting to creep up Saturday, mm-hmm. you know, Saturday. And I'm like, well, let's just see what happens. So anyways, I go down there. Uh, I hit a bunch. I hit two accidents going oh, through geez. the through Columbus. And it, it started to freak me out because part of this deal was, was it was a five-day archery hunt. But they tend to want you to get down there the Friday before the hunt starts. So it starts on a Saturday. So I could be gone Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and come home Thursday. And, the, you know, this, this early season hunt, the outfitter doesn't allow early morning hunts. They want you to only hunt the afternoons. I'm not going to go into huge all the reasons why, but it's it's yeah. to an advantage to do it that way. And I said, wait, if I'm not hunting till the afternoon... Hey, I'm going to get a bonus point here from Mama because I'm like I can leave Saturday morning when mm. the season's already opened. It's a six-hour drive for me. I'll make it down there by noon. I'll have a couple hours to get unpacked. I'll get some stuff figured out. I'll take a shower and I'll hit the road and find the tree stand. Nice. So I did that one. I'm like, well, there's one night. Boom, gone. So now all of a sudden it gets a little bit sweeter. And I'm like, man, if I shoot a deer the first night and you start going through these things like, man, if I shoot that yeah, deer, I'm home tomorrow night. <laughs> I'll be home tomorrow night. I'll miss one night and all of a sudden I'm a hero. And the way oh, yeah. the weather's laying out, I'm like, man, this is practically a slam dunk. I just don't blow the shot. So <laughs> the first Jesus last words, huh? The, 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 and, and you know, and I'm I'm halfway realistic. I mean, I'm I I have been very fortunate going with this outfit the last, you know, the, the last three years. And so the first night I'm in the tree getting all, you know, getting all situated in and, you know, I'm not expecting anything to move, you know, an hour before, you know, dark. And I'm just there, you know, you're there, you, you kind of sit for a couple hours knowing that you just need to be there. You just can't walk in when they're there. Yeah. And I just happen to like, and everything is green and there's mosquitoes and it's hot, but not like I'm, I'm still like gung ho. I don't care. Yeah. Set me on fire. I'm going to be okay. And so I'm sitting there and I just happen to look like, and I still don't fully understand where I'm at. I'm in the mountains. If I scream, no one's going to hear me. <laughs> Somehow I have enough cell service to send text out and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a million miles from nowhere. And I catch a tail flick. I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, oh, look at that. There's a deer. And I'm just like, well, I'll pick up my binoculars. And I look and I'm like, holy crap, that might be a shooter buck. And it kind of disappears. I got enough. And I'm like, it's going to happen. I'm like, it's like 530. I'm in. I'm like, well, maybe I should just click this safety off and just get ready to rock. And, you know, and then I, you know, maybe half hour later, I catch another tail flicker from a different direction. I'm like, Hey, that's another buck. And I go and I glass it up and it's, it's a different buck. It's a much smaller deer and you know, whatever. And then like a little bit later, here comes one walking right in. And then a little bit later, another one comes in and it's a little bit bigger. And I'm like, Holy crap. I'm just waiting for, for its grandfather to show up. And yeah, so the the one the first buck was like a like a seven point. It wasn't huge, and mm-hmm. the second buck was an eight point, and it was better, but it wasn't to the standards. Mm-hmm. And these deer hung around 
so long, like an hour in front of me, just doing what deer do. And to be honest with you, it's kind of boring. If like from my perspective on like a deer's life, they mm-hmm. kind of look around, they flick their tail, they eat an acorn, they look around, they, they just, there's not a whole lot to go on in a deer's life. So eventually I'm like, I got to go. I mean, it's like dark and I'm like, I got to get out of here. And <laughs> you know, I, I did. So that night I ended up seeing, um, a total of four bucks and a doe. And that wow. doe was the only one to know that something was wrong. She mm-hmm. got out of there so quick and it, it completely destroys any confidence you have because I'm like, holy crap. She knew the jig was up before anything. Mm. But then the, the, the two bucks actually walked the same trail and went right by. Either they didn't care or she's just like a Jedi. But That goes back to males are dumb, women are smart. It, so that's it, what... It very well could be. Um, but then, you know, I, I I got back. I made some adjustments. I'm not going to go into every detail. Made some adjustments on what I'm packing in, how I'm packing in, and, you know, um, just a bunch of things that did help. The next day, lo and behold, the same eight point and the same seven point come in again. And I'm like, okay. Uh, first the eight point came in. This is kind of cool. So this, this eight. So let me ask this though. So, yeah. so, so when you say come in, cause I'm not a hunter. Right? Mm-hmm. Are you saying like enough, you can see them, but you still can't shoot or what? Like, or you're just waiting. Okay. When, like when, you're, when, you're when passing they're, them. When they're, they're coming into range. Okay. So like, like what I'm talking, like they're coming in, they're coming into range. Okay. Uh, like the, like those sightings that I saw the first day, they were out yeah. there. They were just to me sightings. Yeah. So, my buddy, the eight point comes in, he's in velvet and another eight point that's out of velvet comes in. He, he already, uh, rubbed off all his velvet and he hung around for a little bit and, you know, he left. And then I see the buck look up and one of the things like, so if, if you're like a new hunter out there and you have deer in front of you and you're like, I need to look around to see if there's other deer, you don't always have to do that. You watch the deer the deer will tell you everything around them. They are constantly scanning. So you kind of watch what they're doing and you just read, read what they're doing. And I just see him like, look up and look down the trail that I walked in on. And I'm like, Oh crap. What's, what's coming And here? Two raccoons just come balling down. Oh wow. And I'm like, Oh, this is cool. So they're there scavenging and doing whatever they're doing. And that buck doesn't seem to give a crap. Oh, okay, that's a neat interaction. I took some videos and I took some photos and, you know, it was still hard. I mean, the, they were about 25, 30 yards in front of me. And all of a sudden, those raccoons hit their individual trees and they shot up them like rockets. I'm like, what's going on? And then the buck's telling me something's happening. And here come two doe down the same trail. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And those doe came close. And that buck ran him off. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, whatever. They come back, and he just would not let them around. Okay, well, that's kind of weird. Well, then he kind of went off on his own little thing. I had my seven-point come back in, the the one from the day before. And I'm like, oh, this is neat. You know, I saw, you know, three bucks, and there's two doe. And, you know, they got done doing whatever, and then two spikes came in. And I'm like, wow, I'm just covered up. And once all the bucks left— 
the doe were able to get in on the feed. And then the raccoons came back down. I forgot about them. These raccoons wanted in, and those doe ran the raccoons out. So I'm like, wait, there's a hierarchy here that skips a generation. The bucks, (laughs) the does don't let the raccoons eat, but the bucks won't let the does eat, but don't care about the raccoons. Yeah, that's odd. And where's the squirrel fit in? I don't know, but (laughs) I'm not sure, but I probably would not want to be a squirrel around a raccoon. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So I'm like, well, okay, this is kind of interesting. So then the third night, you know, I I brought up, you know, to the guides, I'm like, listen, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the same deer. And I'm like, is there anything that you'd want to do? Because now it's going to be Monday and it's going to be instead of 78, it's going to be like 85. And, you know, they kind of looked at their cameras and stuff like that. And they're like, listen, you're seeing deer. Not everyone in camp is seeing deer. Go back to your same spot. I'm like, all right, third time's a charm. So I get in there and just like normal, here comes Mr. Velvet Eight Point. And he comes in, he does his little thing. And by this time, I I have theories. I'm not going to go into some crazy deep thoughts on this stuff. But I've been I've been really tweaking my scent control and some other things, and I'm going to talk about that other thing here soon because I think you're going to really find it interesting. Mm. This deer, okay, these deer in Kentucky compared to the deer I'm used to in Pennsylvania are so much more spooky that they will spook at a lower threshold than the Pennsylvania deer. I can get away with murder in Pennsylvania compared to Kentucky. I've had yeah. I've had rutting bucks chasing doe, catch my scent, stop, look up at me, blow, turn and run the other way. And it, it, I've just, I've been very impressed with what low impact hunting Kentucky has and in the, in, in how you have to be so much sharper on your game than where I'm currently hunting. Yeah. But anyway, stupid deer in my driveway, I could drive around them with the car and they won't move. Yeah. You can throw an apple core there, catch it. Um, They'll take it out of my hands. Yes. So (laughs) this buck, and he was a good buck. I mean, he was good, but he wasn't good enough. And again, I've been in the same tree three days in a row. Yeah. He kind of gets done doing this thing in front of me, and he starts walking to the tree. Now, I'm stone still. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not even blinking. And this deer comes over and beds down at the base of my tree. He lays down to take a siesta. (laughs) And I'm just like, this can't be happening. Because now what happens is any little movement I do is going to translate right to him. So if I did have his grandfather come in, it's going to have to be one of these. It's got to be smooth and it's got to be fast. Yeah. So luckily nothing did. I ended up seeing three bucks that night and one was the seven point. Yeah. And one was the spike from the day before, one of the spikes, and him. And, you know, it was good. So. Now, let me ask a question, if you don't mind. I don't mean to interrupt. Let's go. So, you relayed in uh, a scenario if, with the muskie, if you netted it without hooking it, does it count as a catch? Mm-hmm. If you jim, Jimmy Fly snooked that deer off your tree stand right below you and jumped on his back and cracked his neck, does that count as a kill? I would probably, if I made that decision, I would want to put my tag on it. It's not a legal <laughs> means of take, but 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I technically caught that deer. So that's more akin to reaching in with uh, your hand and gilling that fish. It, it would be, level. except I can't release this deer I mean, that, yeah, <laughs> that I just. What does that mean? <laughs> I thought I just, you know, yeehawed on. Yeehawed <laughs> from the top rope. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to derail it. No, I mean I was I yeah. was up a little bit in height. That was probably sixteen foot. So I mean, okay. it, it it would have hurt me. <laughs> I mean, and and there's, I mean, I love I love hunting out there because it's completely different. There's yeah. like oaks, cedars, and rock. That's like oh, what geez. what I'm hunting in. Yeah. And it, it sounds like every five seconds, you can just hear an acorn busting through the leaves and then bouncing. Oh, cool! And it, it you know, and it, there's times they hit you and they hurt. But <laughs> so the last day, okay, sorry, but yeah, okay. I, I'm like, okay, and this is kind of where the art of the deal comes in. So I hunted three days. I think it's successful. I, I have I've gathered data. I. I failed to shoot the deer, but I learned, and I learned a lot. And so I'm going to come back to this after I finish telling the story. I have two more days left of the hunt, and I was talking to talking to Kara, and I'm like, hey, listen, I, I, I talked to the people of power, and they said because of the incoming weather, and by incoming weather, 95-degree heat for the next two days. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> that I could roll those days later in the season, you know, to continue that on. Yeah. And she she pretty much very openly said, yeah, I don't care. I'm like, mm. score. So I go down and, you know, in the main lodge, you know, I left my little bedroom area and I hear one of the guides. Now, most of the hunters had left. The, you know, the, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a nice laid back hunt. Yeah. And, so it went from like 25 guys in camp down to eight and hunters. And one of the guides was sitting at the table and he got a text and he was like, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, what's going on? He had, a, he put a cell cam on another stand site on another lease. And he goes, I can't believe this. I'm like, what's going on? What's on? He goes, he goes, these, the same shooter eight point. Now when I say eight point, it's really a 10 point and this, because some people will call them trash or junk points, but they're invaluable to me. When you get a buck with some trash on it, it's cool. Um, it's a, it's a big mainframe eight. And then another buck very shortly thereafter, a nice, beautiful 10. That one was in velvet. The eight was not. And he said, these two bucks have shown up on this same camera two days in a row, almost to the minute. Mm. And I looked at him and he's just like, you know, it wasn't immediate. He offered it to another hunter. Cause I had already kind of said, I'm going to punch out that hunter then said, well, I want to go to this stand. And they looked at me. They're like, do you want to do it? And I said, show me the photos. They showed me the photos Said, text them to me. I said, I got to go make a phone call. So I talked to, talked to my wife <laughs> and I said, listen, it's not a guaranteed, but this is like the best thing that I got going right now is two shooters, two days in a row at prime time. I got to give it a shot knowing you got to go through the suck. 
And <laughs> I, I, I have been on this mountain before. In 2017, I shot my big buck on this mountain. This stand is not as high on this mountain as mm-hmm. where I shot my 17 buck. But I know this mountain very well. And that I said, let's do it. So I followed the so, guide. I drove. Let me my, ask you this though: When you called your wife and said, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to punch out early. I'm going to take these two days and add them to another hunt," so she's excited you're coming home. And when she, you make that call back and say, "Hey, by the way, mm, it ain't happening. Well, staying. I had to gather my ammunition, so she gave me the yeah, I don't care. And <laughs> I said, I sent her those photos. I said. These two are consistent. They showed up out of nowhere two days ago, and they've been there two days in a row, and your mind immediately goes to something. They're going to be there a third day. Yeah. Well. So with her being a hunter, then, she's more amenable to appreciate that situation. To a point. you gotta, you gotta, it, it, you got to hit the tide just right because— <laughs> There's there's a point to where there's an excited excitableness that I I would get from her, and there's other yeah. times it's just like you're missing out of being a father. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and the guilt comes in. Yeah. So I I get the ammunition, and I go ahead and I send them off. I said, "What do you think? Are these worth an extra night?" And you know we 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 kind of talked about it and stuff like that, and I thought everything was good and cool. Um. So the day comes. And it's Africa hot. Oh, I mean, Lord. it went it went from like, you know, because in the woods it wasn't nearly as bad. Yeah. But so, anyways, we dude, are we talking like flies and mosquitoes too? Plus the heat, or are you just suffering from heat? Okay, I, I, I mosquitoes to to the point to where I have a thermocell on, and, and some are still getting through the the barrier. Ah, crud! Now these mosquitoes are different. <clears throat> they're not. They're, they're very light. They're lightly framed. And they're not like as massive as the ones I'm used to up here, but they're yeah. still mosquitoes, and I don't like them. Right. And I also learned a really cool term. They were talking about when I was saying, "Hey, on that hot day, you know, be, being Monday being hotter than you know Saturday Sunday, not Tuesday hot." I said, "Do you have anything near water down in the bottom, you know, somewhere?" And so I learned a new term. And 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 the the head guide he goes. Uh, I, I haven't checked that stand for waspies, and I'm like, waspies. I'm like, what? And he goes, I haven't been in there to check for waspies. I'm like, I, I, like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're saying. What's a waspie? <laughs> and, and and another guy goes, he goes, I was down there. I, I there was no waspies in there. I'm like, are you talking gonna... about? Are you talking about bees? You're thinking another country now, speaking a different language. Yeah. I said, are you talking about bees? And they're like, yeah, waspies. I'm like, oh, wasp bees. You put wasps and bees together. I guess oh. there's a big problem with bees down there. And I, until they said something about waspies, I never noticed it. So is it? I'm still confused. Is it wasp and bees? They put it together. Or is there a version like, of bee that's a wasp? Let's just say this. It'd be like if I said deer buck. Okay. You, so you, they're, they're, you would understand what what we're talking about. We're talking yeah, about they just get rid an of animal. the word and. Yes. To, okay. So anyways, um <laughs> waspies. That's that's a new word and it's 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 funny to me. So 
because I nice. literally had to stop the conversation and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you hit it with a good Kentucky accent and you're just like, oh, wallaby? Man. What do you... <laughs> so... Yeah, I've been to Kentucky a lot for work and uh, yeah, it's thick. Yeah, so anyways, the uh, the one guide, he gets me to the lease and I remember this lease very well and that I have to drive... I'm like, I'll just park by the road and walk in. And they're like, you're not walking in. I'm like, well, why not? And they're like, because there's a couple ways to enter. This is a giant lease. They're like, it's a mile and a half back. And I'm like, <laughs> let's drive. And yeah. then I remember, they're like, do you, were you allowed to drive over the bridge back then? Or did you have to go through the riverbank, um, you know, through the stream? I said, I had to go through the stream. He's like, okay, good. So I follow him in my truck. I liked driving myself. And we yeah. get to a point, and I'm like, oh, crap, the cow pasture. We open up. He opens up this, the, the wire. I drive through. He drives through. No cow in sight. Great. And we drive like three-quarters of a mile through this giant, massive, rock-filled cow pasture. Oh, and we geez. get to another gate, and I remember that gate. I hated this gate because with the initial guide that I had two years prior, yeah. the biggest bull cow I've ever seen was just there like, yeah, open that up. I'm going to show you what's up. And I, I just re- I flashing back to that. I'm like, holy crap. Anyways, I drive through it. I turn the truck around and I park it there. And I said, you stay there because you're not going to be here. I'm, we're going to walk it in because there's a stream bed we have to drive up. And I drove it with my, my truck and I did not like doing that because it was banging the skid plate every time. Yeah. So I told him, I said, listen, I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to do whatever. So I get ready. And he's like, I'm going to walk you up the stream bank, and I'm going to show you where your turn is. I'm like, all right, go cool, whatever. So we walk up, and he's like, here's your trail. I'm like, okay. He's like, you're going to climb this hill, and it's going to come up, and your stand's going to be here. You're going to you know, watch for this over there. The cameras are here. All right, whatever. It's 95 degrees out, and I was fine at the bottom of this mountain. I get halfway up the mountain, and I stop, and I'm just like, I could turn around right now. This <laughs> this sucks. And I'm like, screw it. You got to go through the suck to get the buck. So, Are you dressed like Rambo too? Full gear? No, because I've gotten smart with my packing. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I did not... And one of these layers is very breathable, but it ha, it, it's almost opaque in that yeah. it, it's a mesh. And I, I'm like, I, there's no way I can go any other heavier layers than that. So... I get yeah. I get to the base of this lock on tree stand and you know, I'm like prior to going there I talked to the guy, I said, How tall is this stand? He goes, Ah, twenty five, thirty feet. Holy cow, dude. All right, whatever, I'm in. I made it this far. Well, I got to the base of the thing and I'm like, I'm gonna take a minute and just kinda cool off before I start scaling this this impossibly high tree stand. And I look at my phone and it says ninety five but feels like ninety eight. I'm like, no kidding, screenshot. And as I screenshot, I noticed that, like, oh, it must be raining. I had sweat coming off my nose, my eyebrows, my chin. I was just dripping. I'm like, there goes any scent control out the window. Yeah. And so I took a a selfie, and I sent it off to, uh, you know, some people there. And I'm like, all right, time to get up here. So I climb all the way up, and I'm just like, I'm I'm, I'm nervously jittery. I'm like, this is going to happen. This is going to be like, it's going to work out. I'm going to be the hero. 
And long story short, I saw some waspies and some mosquitoes. Waspies. <laughs> Not a single deer. No way. <laughs> Not dude. a single deer. And man, I, I had the thermosel going. There was not a lot of wind. Uh, say about forty percent of the time, I was in direct sunlight, ninety-five degrees. They picked up your stank a long way. Well, the way they were saying that they were coming in in the bedding area, they were up uphill from me, and I was yeah. watching the small little a bit of smoke coming off of my thermocell, and I I had thermals going. There wasn't a lot of wind, but you know what thermals are. So no, so okay so like when you're in hilly country yeah and the sun starts to set the air up high is going to start getting cooler and okay. it's going to it's just naturally going to go down into the lower parts of Correct. like ravines and stuff so yes. you might not have any wind and you're like oh, I'm going to be cool your thermals will will kill you and that's what killed me the first day with that doe it wasn't a uh, lot of wind she hit my thermal and in the morning, you can expect that your scent is going to go up as the sun heats the lower air. It's going to then start rising I up. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it gets tricky when you get hills, hollers, and trees. Yeah. It, 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 can change some, it can change some crazy currents. I mean, it can go up and go sideways a little bit and up. You don't know how it's really, really going. But I'm like, man, this is perfect. My thermals are going down the way I walked up. And I saw some turkeys. And I'm like, dang it. Well, that's the way this goes. So then I... Tail between my legs, soaking wet, <laughs> walk back to my truck, open up the first gate. I'm like, okay, great, no cows. And by the time I navigate through all this, I close the gate, and I took a picture of my truck on the other side of the gate closed and sent it to the guide. I say, this is in case they say their cows got out. I close their gate. <laughs> because that's a big thing. I yeah. drive around through, and I get down to the last gate, which is just a single strand of wire with one of them stringy hooks springy yeah. hooks and i'm like okay cool and the way that the field goes i'm like going perpendicular to it then i got to go parallel to the fence and then i got to make this wide sweeping i'm like okay great there's no cows and i take the, i take this right hand turn to go like go parallel with the fence a million eyes light up with my headlights <laughs> i'm like dang it <laughs> And I get, and I'm, I'm like, there's a black one right in front of me that I could almost, I, I almost hit it because I just couldn't see it because everything is black. Yeah. And it lets me get like <laughs> inches away before it moves. And I'm like creeping through with my truck through this herd of cows that are barely moving out of my way. <laughs> and they're all right there at the gate. And the reason they're at the gate is because two calves are on the other side of the gate that are obviously loose. Oh, crud. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be blamed for this one. Yeah, you are. I hope you rustled them up and lassoed them and uh, threw them back over. Giant beef cows. And I'm just like, okay, crap. So I'm, (laughs) I'm sit there, and I put it in park, and I'm right by the gate. And the cows that moved... I, I, I roll down my window, passenger window. I hit the light. They're all walking back and surrounding me. <laughs> I feel the truck creep forward and park. <laughs> like, you know how you can rock it? Yeah. One was pushing my bumper. <laughs> Gently. And, I'm, and, and here, I strip down to like bare minimum clothing, and I'm in sandals with no socks. And now I got to be this cow wrangler? 
So I'm there trying to put on socks that are wet. Anyone ever put on wet socks? It don't (laughs) work. No, plus. And then I put on dry shoes, which now are going to get extremely wet from my feet. And I roll down the window, and I'm like, I don't want to face these cows because I'm (laughs) extremely outnumbered. And I hit the light with the window down, and here they all looking at me. And I'm like, get out of here. Go. And I'm yelling, and they're just like, huh? Like, crap. And I call the guide, and I'm like, listen, I'm surrounded. There's two cows out. Call call the landowner and tell him his cows are loose. I'll wait. Hoping the landowner will come and scare the cows while I drive out. Save you. <laughs> and he's like... The guide's like, nah, it happens all the time. Just don't worry about them. Oh, man. All right, so I'm screwed. So I get my flashlight, open up my door, and the cows start coming closer. I hit him with the light. <laughs> and it, it, it's like it's like the movie face. Pitch Black, if you ever saw that. <laughs> and all those creatures come in as it turns black. I hit him with the light, and I just go, yeah, get out of here. I do that three or four times. The whole herd runs away. And I'm like, man, I could have saved 15 minutes of my life if I would have known yeah. to do that. <laughs> so, did they, well, no, did the calves fall or are they still outside the fence? Uh, they're outside the fence. I don't know where the heck they are. I don't care uh, at this point. But he told you, screw it, and you left. Yeah, so then I open up the gate, and I'm like, I got like five seconds because I can see these things making a run for it. Yeah. So I pull the truck forward, I throw it in the park, I jump back out, and I grab the thing, and I hit the light, and they're like looking and starting to walk towards me. So I grab that wire, I run over to the post, and I need to hook it onto this loop. Yeah. And I'm like, and in short, I'm like, how is this pot? And I'm pulling as hard as I can. My <laughs> bumper worked. was perfect to put enough bow in this. I didn't pull ahead far enough. Oh. <laughs> With all my might, I strung it. I put it into drive, I moved forward, and then I put it in park, hit the light, and it was up, and those cows were coming at me. I'm like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. And I go through the riverbed, oh. hit the road, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm I'm out of here. <laughs> so anyways, I had the run in with the cows. I get back, you know, and I you know, I call my wife and tell her, Hey, I'm gonna be coming home in the morning, blah, blah, blah. She says, Okay, good. And you know, the next day, you know, I'm talking to her when I'm driving and she's like, okay, so you're done, right? I'm like, well, I'm done archery hunting. I said, I'm going to come back and do the rifle. And she goes, no, that's not the deal. <laughs> she renegotiated. She did without <laughs> me at the table. <laughs> and so I'm like, no, I'm going to roll this day over. And she's like, no, the deal was you'd come home two days early. Oh, man. And I'm like, oh, crap, I threw a lot Dude, of Dude, you didn't read the fine print. I didn't. <laughs> but I'm like, Vance Vance is going to go with me in rifle season. And I'm like, well, this is kind of oh, what. Oh, smack. And I'm like, crap. So I'm, I'm like, okay, how, how am I going to? And then it hit me. <laughs> She's like, you're coming home, right? I said, well, if I can't go rifle hunting, I'm going to hunt the last day of archery. I have that one extra day. Oh, and didn't see that curveball because there wasn't a very good goodbye on the phone. Mm. Because I'm like, okay, I got a little bit of leverage here. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, I'm still going to come home because it's going to be 95. Yeah. Anyways. And I know what so that's you bluffed. Like. You got a bluff on the table. Yeah, but if I needed to, I would have done it. But then it hit me. I left Saturday morning, not Friday. 
that's two days. <laughs> Dude. That's two <laughs> nights that I saved. And that's where I'm going right now. So there was a little bit of talk, and there was a lot of no on her end. And there was a lot of I'm going on my end. And that's mm. where it's left. But I got two months. Two months to oh, man. to, to smooth Dude, this one out. So you're losing it. I, I'm not because, no, I'm not going to lose it. Do you know why? I have two why? months. It's already been put out there. I already had a couple things that I could have done. And two months is a long time. So let me get this straight. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So your negotiation, um, you're hoping that there's some remembrance that you lost two evenings. And you're going to have a few months to win a little bit of back good graces and get back in this hunt. That's that's the hope. So I, I have a couple. <laughs> I have a couple things. So I, I there was no need for me to be there on Friday, but they like you there, so you don't have yeah. issues like me that took yeah. an hour to go five miles north right. of Columbus. Um, so I saved one night away from the family there, and then I came back a day early, and then I can roll this day over. Now, granted, I understand that two days is better than one day. But I had to swing for the fences on this. There was two nights in a row that these deer were coming in, and I could have hit that home run. Yeah, so you had to take a chance. You had to step to the plate and try. I was already down there. You know, like Abraham Lincoln was never quoted saying, well, we already bought the tickets. (laughs) Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, from your negotiating standpoint, those two days that you saved are lost. That, You're gonna forget about them. They know have they have no more power at the bargaining table. They don't. But I do have a couple other things coming up. So yeah. next week is our ten year anniversary. Ooh, okay. Okay. So I if I maybe do something good there, and then, you know, she wants to go on a musky trip. So we're gonna try in the next week or so to go up to Chautauqua in the boat and get something to go there. So that's gonna work out good. And then something that. Will knock it out of the park. Practically guarantee me the trip to Kentucky is if I could, within the first couple sits of Pennsylvania archery, if I can put my tag on a deer. I mean, like, let's just say I get lucky, and I've done this twice. Yeah, twice in Kentucky, twice in Pennsylvania. Opening day of a season, shoot a deer. Boom, done. So I get my buck. If I get my buck the first day of archery, that means Mm -hmm. since the last day that I hunted in September, which would have been like the 10th, September Mm -hmm. 10th, I would have hunted one day between the 10th and the opener two two months later. That's two months of me not hunting. Mm -hmm. That would then take me back into, hey, listen, I was around all of October. I was doing this. I was hitting home runs. I think okay. I can do it. So I, it gets a little dicey. I'm not going to be too picky in Pennsylvania this this uh, this season. Okay, I have an alternate strategy for you. Let's hear it. How about do laundry for a month? She'll love that. You know you have to be careful because if you just pick up these chores, <laughs> it's going to be expected in the off season. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you remember when you used to do all this? To do a laundry for a month, you're screwed. <laughs> so, but it's it's one of these. I'm, I think I'm wedging my way in because there were times when I was there, 
hunting, she texted me. I knew she was at work, and she goes, send some pictures of those deer. I know she had to have been talking or thinking about this yeah. with other people. So you got you got you got to find that little leverage point. You get enough wedges in that rock, it's going to crack. <laughs> but see again, your wife likes hunting. She does. Like, like so you said one of her trips you will like take her fishing. She wants to go like that that's never a Barty chip on my end. <laughs> well, yeah, because you yell at her. <laughs> No, okay. <laughs> yeah, that might, I'm telling you, that might have screwed me. But, you know. Oh, well. but, so, so well, inter- fascinating, because I think you're going to lose. But we'll see. We'll see if your approach is okay, and then see what your tactic is. Yeah, like I, I have time. That's That's another <laughs> thing. So anyone taking notes, having some buffer time and notes. just willingly losing <laughs> arguments – or avoiding them altogether will buy you some good graces. And but there there is a shelf life. There's a half life to those things. In that, if you do them too far out, in the you know, they're, they're going to forget about them. It's yeah, just no what have you done for me lately? Pretty much. But you got to have enough of them that that you'd be like, hey, remember, remember, like four weeks ago when you wanted this and I went and did that for you. You know, you you got to have enough of them in the bank, but you can't do too many. Yeah, and you got to make sure not to piss them off because that could drain the bank instantly. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> so actually, the best advice uh, is to do what Todd did. Didn't he propose to his wife like trolling down the middle of the lake? I believe is in Chautauqua. That sets a precedent. <laughs> that that makes it be like I'm just trying to relive that memory. The best day <laughs> exactly. of my life. <laughs> I think of you every day out there, dear. <laughs> oh man but interesting I, I, a lot of deals man a lot of happenings a, a lot see. of and you gotta keep thinking you i mean yeah there are some guys out there they're just like hey i'm doing this see you later yeah. yeah they're also divorced but yeah yeah so. so and it's it's a different it's a different era of oh i have kids yeah i saw them last week yeah um, right I'm just going to work and going out with my friends. That was like yeah. what I think stereotypically happened my father's generation. Yeah, that was the 50s. <laughs> yeah, that ain't uh no, nah, but see, but that's what's, what's refreshing about this podcast. So you got like Todd and Vance who again, their profession is guiding and fishing. And then you got you who like never fishes. So like there's relatable elements and all that. I relate more to you. <laughs> Yeah, and and we have this, and I gotta I gotta know how to word this podcast because I don't want the title to be like in the off chance my wife is like, oh, maybe I came up on this one. <laughs> yeah, how to work over the wives? You don't. Yeah, that's not a good. One. You're gonna have to be like creative. <laughs> yeah, using dark angles to get your way. Yeah. <laughs> Oh well, well that's cool, and I, I gotta, I gotta start earning some some uh, like chips because I told you I want to come up and fish with you in October. Well, and that's the other thing. If I can, if I can stick one early, I'm gonna have the month of October, and we can hit that double nickels. Yes, and I want to bring my fly rod up there. So stick them, shoot these deer, work your wife over, get the deal, get it done, and I'll I'll, I'll try to get away to go fishing. That's what I want. That's my my negotiating. Well, I'm going to try my best. Nice. A lot of pressure. 
You have no idea. <laughs> a lot can go wrong real quick. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> Everything's got to go right. <laughs> yep. But anyways, oh, well. that's our life experiences on making the deals, different strategies, tips, and tactics. Yeah, and the results. You know, we discuss results. That's right. So... <laughs> all right. I mean, we almost, God, we almost went two hours on this one, so. Oh, crud. Whoops. It's all right. Maybe break it up in part one and part two. <laughs> I can't have that much out there to where, like, hey, I think you're going to be talked about next show. Yeah, that's right. It might, <laughs> it might leak back. <laughs> so, but, all right. Uh, Big thanks, Fatty Z Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, St. Croix Rods, Vicks Marine Sports Center, Ranger Boats, Baker Baits, Muskies Inc. and the Muskie Max Plus. Uh, yes. Look all of those up, all top notch. So top notch, perfect. And you have a plug you're going to hit. Well, I'm going to do two real quick. I'm not going to extend this any longer. But again, SH Fish and Sticks, killer custom guy. He's unbelievable. I'm actually taking a fly rod, another one I bought, to him tomorrow. Do some modifications to it. He's going to chop up an $800 rod, and. Uh, yeah, but I love it. So great guy, like I said, uh, shfishingsticks.com. And I'm going to do another shout-out because last week you guys talked about Central PA and trout. I have a buddy who's from Central PA. He has a huge website. If you're a trout guy, troutbitten.com. It's probably one of the most uh, read sites. It's up and coming, and he's in Central PA. So anybody who's like musky fishes but trout fishes, uh, man, great tips, great great. Uh, website so sorry to bring it to trout in but I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that one out there perfect all right everyone good luck fishing good luck hunting and thanks for listening <laughs>